Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 541 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever and coming up on the show. We'll be talking books with Eddie Johnson. He has got a series of them which are going to come out over the next few months. Having a natter with him all about that one. Also, we'll be having a natter with Hugh Cornwell. He's got a forthcoming gig on the way at the Robin 2 in Bilston. Having a bit of a natter with him. On top of that, we'll be finding out about the Brood Music Festival for 2020. But first of all... Time to think about some festivities. Mystical Productions, once again, have the return of their fantastically popular Christmas events. Only if they got their Christmas fair, but also a picnic with Santa. To tell me more, one of his elves. Dan, how are you doing? I am very well, thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, what's going on? Another, another busy one this year, yeah. 14th and 15th of December. 14th and 15th, it's our fifth annual Christmas fair. Yeah. Um, fourth for the Village Hall. And there's a, lot to, there's a lot, really. We've got various stalls, tombolas, games throughout the entire internal of the hall. Santa's Grotto, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, with his elves, come and write a letter, see Santa, get your presents. Live entertainment on the stage throughout the day, from we've got the U Wolverhampton ukulele band to school choirs, so we've got a bit for everyone. Yeah. Um, there's refreshments on sale, indoor and out. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, we've got, we've got cheesecakes, we've got freshly made cakes, uh, alcohol is always yeah. a nice one. We've got Christmas um, cocktails, uh, alcoholic hot chocolates, so basically, this is pandering to all the things you like about <laughs> Christmas. So that, like that, about that's Christmas. good, yeah. Yes. Um, and it's going it's to be a really good day. And for the children, Olaf will be around mm-hmm. throughout the day so they can come and get a photo with him and meet Olaf. And it's just a really good, enjoyable day. So 11 through to 4 pm, Cotswold Village Hall, that's Saturday the 14th of December. And then on Sunday, you've got the excitement of actual a picnic with Santa. Do, it's so a busy weekend, doesn't it, Santa? It's a very busy weekend. So on the Sunday, uh, we, like you said, we have a picnic with Santa where the children can come. They'll have two stories read by Santa and a picnic. And at the end of their session, they get a chance to go up onto the stage, meet Santa, and receive a present off him as well. Mm-hmm. So some kids could be getting two Santa presents. They could be getting two Santa presents. Yeah. And, um, and plenty of selfies. And plenty of selfies. <laughs> and on, on the Sunday, we're very lucky to have Buddy the Elf with us as well, mm-hmm. from the film Elf. So he'll be around to entertain the children. Uh, and last year, he was crawling on the floor with all the babies. So it really is an enjoyable event. So it's good fun. It's all a good family event. And you have to book for the picnic yes. Santa there. So it's booking only. And booking is £7 per person. Uh, families of five or more are, uh, get a free place um, and that's purely because we have to cater for the picnics and they have to be, be packaged. Uh, you can get tickets from Rainbows 2 in Billbrook or at Codstall Village Hall uh, between the t- hours of 11 and 9, Monday to Friday. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, if you want more information, you can drop us a message on Facebook and it's just Mystical Productions, nice and simple. Um, and we can in- help with your inquiries there. Yeah, but I would say it's been hugely popular each year. You've yes. run this. And uh, you, who are you raising funds for this year? Once again, it's raising funds for Codswell Village Hall. And um, they've just used the money we raised last year to refurb their gents' toilets. Mm-hmm. So there is currently a long list of what we need to get done. Yeah. So we're currently in the, in the process of deciding what it's going to be used for. Okay, so but it will go towards will funding go towards part of the community yes. and making sure that Codswell continues to have such a, a brilliant site at the middle of it, the way the whole family and the communities come yeah. together. I mean, we've had bookings today in our largest group being 24, so it is selling out very quickly. We've got three time slots for the Sunday, which is 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. 
So get yourself along quickly, but also stick the date for the 14th in your diary for the Christmas fair. That's how that one's 11 through to 4, all the different slots for the brilliant picnic with Santa, and have a great time enjoying yeah, really what is part of the, the festivities it for is, Codsell, it is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's well known now. Everyone, everyone knows that's the weekend and the place to be. Yeah, make sure you get along there. Yeah. Dan, always great to have a chat with and you. you and uh, give us the details again one more time. Where can so, people find you? Uh, for the Saturday, it's Codsell Village Hall, 11 till 4 on the th- 14th of December. And on the Sunday, it's 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock. And that's for the Picnic with Santa. £7 a ticket. Groups of five or more get one free place. Tickets available from Rainbows 2 in Billbrook, Codstall Village Hall between the hours of 9 and 1, Monday to Friday. Alternatively, give us a message on Facebook and we'll uh, sort something out for you. Check it all out, get online and get your festive on ready for the great events that are coming up in Codstall as ever. Dan, once again, thank Thank you. you. In a moment or two's time, we'll be hearing from Hugh Cornwall ahead of his gig at the Robin 2 a little bit later this month. Before we do, let's set the title track from his current album. This is Monster.
With his appearance at the Robin 2 in Bilston on Friday the 29th of November, Hugh Cornwell is bringing the magic of the music of the Stranglers and his new album to the stage. And he joins me now to tell me more about the gig. Good afternoon, sir. Jason, hi. Hi, good to, good to speak to you. Good to talk to you too. And uh, I mean, if anybody knows how to do a tour properly, it's you, isn't it? You've done a few of these in your time. <laughs> so with the tour... Obviously, it's great to uh, to take it to someone like the Bilston. It must be an absolutely fantastic venue to play, and just a nice nice size to be able to be intimate with the, uh, the the audience. I agree. I mean, Birmingham's always been odd for me. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I've I've never really cracked Birmingham. But um, but I've I've done the Robin before, and it it really is a fabulous place to play. I mean, great audience, great space, got a great vibe to it, and um, so I enjoy going there. You know, and my parents from. Well, my mum was born in Wolverhampton anyway, so I, I, I feel I've got a kinship with it anyway. So a bit of a Lincoln coming home and yeah. Yeah, a chance to bring the music from Monster to uh, an audience who are going to be very appreciative of this album. Well, I hope so. I mean, it's been out uh, a year now, but um, and I did go out last autumn, but that was early days for it, you know, and it's been, been out there a while now, so I think people have had a chance to get used to, get to know it, familiar with it, so... Uh, so that I'm playing a lot more from it this time than I did last time round, and um, and I've also um, changed the uh, a lot of the rest of the solo material that I'm playing around it because I don't like doing the same thing twice. So uh, and I've got a one of my other albums has just been remastered and coming out on vinyl. So I'm, I'm doing a couple of tracks from that. That's an album called Beyond Elysian Fields. So uh, I've got a couple of I'm going to play a couple of those as well. Um, and uh, and then it's obviously the Death by Stranglers second set, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but that uh, we're going to jazz that up by um, suit that up by not deciding on a set list until we go on stage, and we're just going to call it. I'm going to take a chart. I'm going to say, okay, let's do No More Heroes, and then the bass player will go, okay, let's do um, Skin Deep. Okay, and then the drummer goes, okay, let's do Strange Little Girl. And so we won't know, people, the audience will not know, just like me, they won't know what the second set's going to be. And I love that. <laughs> and I suppose it gives you a chance to interact with the audience. If you're getting a vibe that they want to hear a particular song, you can either well, choose no, it. Oh, no, 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 we don't take requests. Oh, no, I wasn't suggesting that, but uh, <laughs> you, you, know, you know what your audiences uh, enjoy hearing as well. So it must, Oh, must... I see, yeah, if, if there are a lot of shouts for something... I probably would wouldn't play it <laughs> <laughs> so, so, because I'm so perverse. Now there's, there's fair warning. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean the entertainment of a gig like this. I mean it, it it is about enjoying playing the music too. And even after you know a few years down the line, you, you must still be enjoying these songs. Well, I mean I enjoy I enjoy playing the old catalogue uh, now. Um, because we, I don't have keyboards with me on, on tour. I, mm-hmm. I, it's just a trio. And uh, what we do is when we're arranging the, how we're going to play the Strangler song, we, uh, we pick it. I know which keyboard bits are the important bits, you know, the bits that are, that are signatures of the song. Mm-hmm. So either I play it on my guitar or the bass player can play it on the bass or the drummer can do something on the drums to, to suggest it or uh, we can sing it, you know, as a as a vocal, you know, vocal line, backing vocal line or something. And uh, you'd be surprised what you can achieve like this. And uh, both the guys want to sing and they like singing. So, uh, 
so you know we 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 can we can get away with uh, quite a lot you know as a as a trio you know playing these songs with the the new album stuff as well i mean you're working with sony music and you, i think you've you've been with them on and off for decades now haven't you well i um we did we went to cbs um stranglers went to cbs for the second half of the uh, catalog mm-hmm. so uh what was it uh, feline um oral sculpture dream time and 10 were were Sony albums, were were CBS albums, but CBS were bought by Sony. So um, so you're right there, and I did some solo stuff on uh, on CBS as well. So um, so you're right in that respect. It's gone gone back, but but um, it's been a long time since I was there, you know. But they reminded me. They they said, oh, you know, it's great to have you back because you know you were on this long. I went, oh, bloody hell, you're right, you know. And then suddenly <laughs> the penny dropped. But it's it's nice, you know. I, I get on well with the people there, um, and they're very vibey people. You know, it's great. And and how is the uh, the sort of work that you'll do in the studio changed? I mean, do you develop more of it at home now compared to actually going into a, a full size studio? Or do, or do you like that? You know, to be able to be able to prep your music in a, in a different way with the technology these days compared to when things were a little more punk. Oh yeah, you you do it in a different way now, but. Um, uh, but uh, it's it's um, I, I don't go in a huge studio. I've got my own studio, and a, and I've got a very trusted um, engineer who's who's a genius with sound, mm-hmm. and um, and he does all the knob twiddling, and I do the the playing and the and the ideas and stuff, musical ideas, and he helps me, and we've been working for a long time together now, so uh, he I can almost just say something and he'll know what I mean because we you know he can get it he says yeah I know what you mean you mean like this and I go yeah that's it yeah you got it or if we're referencing back say I remember this vocal sound you had on you know 10 years ago and he goes uh let me have a listen so he goes oh yeah I remember what we did okay and I go yeah that's it (laughs) so um so you're it's like having a it's like having a palette of colors you know that you use all the time and you can you can call on them, you know. And if you have the same person there, who, who knows all that palette, then you can work very very quickly. And do you collaborate with other musicians as well when you're working on on, on things these days? Well, um, for Monster, I didn't. I, I did everything. Me and him did the whole thing. Um, I may or may not uh, do some live live playing um, this time around. I don't know. I'll see how it goes. Again, you, you seem to be fairly chilled and we'll take it yeah, and play it by ear and see what you feel like doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, yeah. and does that allow you to be more creative, do you think, rather than the confines of trying to book things in advance? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing better than going into a studio by yourself with someone you trust and being able to just do what you know do whatever you like. And there's there's a great freedom there, and it, and it leads to expression, you know. And you you can surprise yourself what you what you can uh, what can be discovered, you know. Whereas if you're in the confines of a okay, let's set up the drums here, you know, let's put the bass in there. If that's all very conf- it, it's very structured, and sometimes you don't want a structure, you know. In order to get creative, sometimes you've got to throw structure out the window. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, yeah, just uh, as a, a few final thoughts, I mean, what else do you think is, is going to be uh, the, the kind of highlight of a gig night for you when it comes to someone like the Robin? What what really does stand out for you? Is it maybe social media interaction before we get there and build up to the gig, or do you enjoy just the uh, the, the company of, of people who are, are like minded enjoying the music? Yeah, the, the latter. You know, yeah. the latter. I, I just. Uh, I suck it and see, you know, I'll, I'll turn up to the gig and see what happens, you know, and um, it may be a good one, might be a bad one, who knows. <laughs> but, well, there's one thing for certain, it'll be a Hugh Cornwell gig and the audience will absolutely adore it. Whatever happens, it is at the Robin 2. Uh, Robin.co.uk is the website for tickets. 0844 249 1000 is the ticket hotline and you can get your tickets that way. Uh, it's doors at 7.30 and make sure you're there because you're yeah, going to bring a, a full night of music and uh, and work blooming hard by the sounds of things, you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're being very sweet. Um um, let, let's. Uh, I'm looking forward to coming back to. Yeah. yeah. Any of the family joining you on the night? Are the still uh, members? No, 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 no. Unfortunately, but she will be joining us on stage because the song La Grande Dame on Monster is about her. You see, so so she passed away about six years ago. So she'll be. That will be for her. So uh, a link to the city and obviously a, a, a touching family moment as well. Hugh Cornwell, thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you in Wolverhampton on the 29th down at the Robin in Bilston. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. She was locked in a jealous castle room By the light of a silver paper moon Became a shooting star
Hugh Cornwell with the most beautiful girl in the world here on the Milk Bar. From the 2nd to the 5th of July, the Brood Music Festival returns. A fantastic weekend of music and, of course, the big gig on the Saturday night down at St Dominic's. To tell us more about what's going on, I have chair of their committee, Pete Element. Hello. Hi, Jace. How are you? I'm very well. And I say, I'm kind of part of the gang on this because is it, is it more than a decade now, I think, I've been uh, doing hosting duties for the, the main event? Jason, I've got to thank you. You've been really good to us over the years. You've been hosting the main event now for a decade. Yeah, it, it, it's about. This it must be the fifth or sixth. Uh, you must enjoy it. I absolutely love it. It's a brilliant music festival. The the atmosphere is just absolutely great, and there's a huge sense of community about the whole thing. That's why we started it, and that's the motive for keeping it going. Um, obviously, over time, things become more expensive, mm-hmm. especially the acts. Yeah. Um, Sometimes we have to put a commercial hat on, which we're all hopeless at because we are. <laughs> you just want to do it for the fun of it. Because we're a bunch of amateurs and volunteers. <laughs> that's right. The the shows, I mean, just get better and better. There's never been a bad one. And the thing about the Saturday night is, you get such a mix of music. There is always something for everybody there, whatever generation they're from. Well, this uh, next year rather is an absolute classic because mm-hmm. um, you can tell by my age, Jason. <laughs> you'll know the type of music I like. And we go there. And we have we have scouting for girls next year mm. obviously um way past my normal period <laughs> um but obviously a class act yeah a class brilliant act music and, and great you know. music and accompanied by bands from the 70s the mm. 60s and even a modern local band on the saturday evening so you're quite right it covers everything and it's a, an eclectic night of uh, total music for enjoyment yeah and uh, it's, it's always a treat but this is part of the bigger picture for the whole thing uh, so it runs from the second through to the sixth so uh, there's, there's plenty to see and do and that includes all the venues in brood taking on their responsibility and bringing some brilliant stuff to the stage absolutely right i mean uh, over the whole weekend we must have something like 25 acts performing at 10 11 12 venues ranging from folk music single guy sitting at a piano wondering where the next song's going to come from <laughs> to all sorts of acts in the venues only in and around brood and of course other than the saturday uh, and a small contribution on the sunday thursday and friday is absolutely free mm-hmm. to enter uh, and it creates a great atmosphere in the village yeah. and the, the work that you do throughout the the two years because it's a biannual festival uh, if you see an event going on in brood there's a chances are it's going to help support the festival itself to make all of the rest of it free for that big period the only issue is um, we're a bunch of amateurs what do we need what do we need money money would solve everything wouldn't mm-hmm. it yep. but, uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, we have to work at it, and that's why it takes us two years, because mm-hmm. we are a bunch of amateurs. But I, you're not. You're professional amateurs. I know that much. But it is, uh, it's, it's a great show. It's a great event, and it's done properly. We will have a, a stage that's worthy of Glastonbury. Oh, the people who, uh, who've been putting the stage up uh, for a number of years now, a company called A1 Entertainment from Bristol. Yes, Paul, I've got you a mention. Uh, <laughs> Paul is a top fella, though. They are oh, just fabulous. And, you know, they enjoy it. It's it's not so much work for them, um, although I do have to pay him. Yeah. Uh, but nevertheless, it's it's an enjoyable weekend for them, and they love coming, and we love having them there, and we and we hope we can continue to do so. Yeah, oh, I say it's a, a fantastic event, a great lineup. So uh, the thing at the moment is the ticket sales are, are going fast already. I think the first lot of early birds have they sold out now? Yes, this was something new, and it took us by surprise. Um, marketing, which is not our strength. <laughs> Uh, we've been advised that we have to use the media. You'll know all the outlets for the media. Yeah. And the minute we put it on Facebook with the early bird announcement, they went. They mm-hmm. went within three days. Yeah. So, uh, but it's a good it's a good lineup, isn't it? That's that, that makes a difference. Well, it's a it's a good lineup, um, and we're delighted that they went. What we're trying to do now is is create um, 
a ticket avenue for other people who missed out on the mm-hmm. early bird. Yeah, because there's a there, community you like to make it affordable, so... Exactly, so I think it's just a case at this moment in time, Jace, watch this space. Okay, so keep checking it all out. Uh, so where do people go to actually get tickets? Right, it's, it's on uh, the internet, as they say. Uh, yeah. We're using an organisation, again, modernising Eventbrite. Yeah, but they're good as well. Well, Eventbrite, they can handle anything. Yeah. Tickets are available through them. It, it's so easy. Um, you can get it through the Facebook page, our web page. I think now all the outlets, Instagram, Yeah, you can be Twitter. found on there, so there's links to absolutely all of it. Correct. But there's, there's teasing pictures from festivals gone by and, of course, letting us know about the acts which are coming up throughout the whole of that festival weekend. And so the Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday fantastic events and it's always good fun in the square I, I very rarely have a chance to get down on the Sunday because I'm not recovering from the Saturday but you guys are no mm. respite you're there well it, 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 it dominates our life for that period it dominates my life for most of the rest of the year now but <laughs> um, it's worth it we get an awful lot of satisfaction satisfaction from it we fall out constantly in the organizing <laughs> committee meetings that's what committees are for that's exactly what they're for and we're good at it we're good at falling out but it's um, it's it's worth it um, because we're trying to bring all classes and styles of music mm-hmm. to brood it's going to be an absolute treat you can get your tickets online broodmusicfestival.com look out on facebook instagram all the usual socials and eventbrite as well to make sure you've got your tickets in plenty of time for the 2nd through to the 6th of july main event on the saturday night all the stuff on thursday and friday turn up at the venues check out what's going on there and of course enjoy the magic of scouting for girls it's going to be an absolute treat pete we know we're going to love it aren't we jace thank you so much mate and i really appreciate you the help you've given us well i'm very much looking forward to being there again in 2020 Look and the host of that main stage great am i alone in your heart have i a hope with your heart she's such a teaser she's such a star give me a reason or give me a chance i'm all alone in your heart i'm all alone it tears me apart doing all i can do just to be close to you every time that we meet i skip a heartbeat always up for a life she's a pain in the ass every time that we There we go, a hint of skating for girls here on the Milk Bar. Eddie Johnson has the first of a series of books about to arrive on the shelves. It is a trilogy and he's in the studio with me now to tell me more. Hello, sir. Hello. So uh, what's going on then? Because you, you, your first foray into writing came probably the best part of 12 months ago for its, its uh, initial release. So uh, what's going on with the, uh, the work that you have at the moment? Well, believe it or not, the work that you're referring to mm-hmm. uh, was nearly two years ago now. Really that long? And started 12 years ago. Well, that's, that's a scary because I know you've uh, had all sorts of moments where things came to you during your dream time that started to turn into uh, uh, an absolutely compelling book. And uh, from there, you've gone on. And what are you writing now? Well, this is the same book. Mm-hmm. Um, it started 12 years ago with some weird and wonderful dreams, which I couldn't get rid of and that kept reoccurring. So I decided to start putting them down on paper, mm-hmm. not having any plan to write a book just because it was something of interest to me. Uh, then after 10 or 12 years of uh, procrastination, I thought, well, you know, why not make something of this? Can I link all these different episodes together? 
And it's at that point that I realised that there was a common denominator, mm-hmm. uh, and it was basically music was the common de- denominator, uh, and a particular album that was running around my head that I play so often that I pretty much know the lyrics. And that was where half of these dreams were coming from. They were being drawn from the album tracks. Mm-hmm. So, so, so uh, can we say which album it is at this point? Uh, we can't, unfortunately. Okay. I, thought, I thought that might for, well be for the many, case. For many <laughs> reasons, possibly some of them being legal, but a lot of them, to, I don't want to give the plot away, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, this uh, first, for the first drafts of this, this was very much a, a tester for the market, wasn't it? And, yeah. and this is how the story's then developed into what is going to be a trilogy, because there's so much going on that it needs to be bigger than just one book. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, when I wrote the first book, which you've read a few bits of, yep. uh, I, I approached various different people about publishing, and, and that in itself is a minefield. Anybody mm-hmm. who's tried to write a book, actually getting it published is not as easy as it may seem. Yeah. Um, so from advice of various different people that I was speaking to, they said, look, there's far too much information in this book to cram it into one book. Mm-hmm. Historically, people don't buy books from new writers that are very, very long because mm-hmm. they want to find out about the writer, see what their style's like, etc., before they invest their money. So you need a shorter book or make this one into a lot longer and split it down into a trilogy. Mm-hmm. So that's what I decided to do because there was more information that I could cram in, but I physically couldn't cram it in. My, my first book ended up being 200,000 words. Yeah, uh, It'll end up now being something like a quarter of a million or more words, but that spread over three books will be a reasonable size for people to digest. And hopefully, if they've read part one, and they'll be intrigued to go and look at part two and three. Mm-hmm. But it gives you a chance to explore some of the characters a little bit more as well, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I was fine that I was having to curtail things to a degree and and people I think these days that they like to know all the nuances and all the little bits of information mm-hmm. so I've I've gone back to what I remember as a child that books were like you had a preface and you had an introduction and you had all various different preambles none of which most people wrote read so they would skip past those and go straight to chapter one mm-hmm. I did it all the time <laughs> and then what had happened is by chapter two you're thinking I don't understand what's going on. What's happened to this cha- this character? Yeah. And you'd end up going back to the preface to find out where his history was and etc. Mm-hmm. So I went about it in that way. I thought I'll do it very, very traditionally. And if people don't read the preface, then so be it. They won't get all that information. But it's there, and I think it accentuates the story. And it could be a bit of sport to, to start reading, then pop back and, and, and see how things work out. Well, yeah, and I do a lot of uh, irony and plagiarism, and, mm. and what I'll do is I'll quote a line from a famous film, which is something I do in my daily life anyway, mm. uh, and then I'll refer to it somewhere else. Uh, and I might even sarcastically put, if you haven't read the preface, and you won't know what I'm talking about, uh, <laughs> etc. And, and hopefully people, especially if they get to book two and there's comments in book two that refer back to book one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it, it will be a standalone story if you bought each book. But I think you would need to read book one mm-hmm. to get the flavour of where book two and three start and, and finish. So, and, the, and there is a definitive end to it. So you sort of yeah, break the fourth wall in places as well then, which is the, the cover of the book into the reader. Yes, hopefully. I mean, the, I've had uh, a company commissioned um, to make the cover for me. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's not fully finished yet, but it is phenomenal. I'm, mm-hmm. I've looked at it and I thought, well, if that was on the shelf, <laughs> I'd buy it myself. It, it pulls, pulls yeah, the flavour of the whole book for you. Most definitely, yeah. And when you've uh, approached uh, sort of bringing this out, 
I suppose with the you know, the the dream state that some of this started off in, has it sort of triggered you to start having dreams about the story and 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 moving it forward that way? No, it's quite weird because these dreams are, are, are literally twelve, thirteen, maybe fourteen of these dreams mm-hmm. that have occurred to me over a period of twelve years, and they are literally exactly the same mm-hmm. every single time I have one of these dreams. They're exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, they're in colour, and the graphic detail is exactly the same. The outcome's the same. I can't seem to try and dive into there to change things. It just happens. Unfortunately, back in the first ten years, they never happened in the right order, <laughs> uh, and they randomly happened whenever they felt like happening. It wasn't like I was waiting, waking up in a cold sweat every night. It wasn't a problem, yeah. but it, it was noticeably the same. Yeah. Uh, so I'd have a dream, and then maybe six months later, I'd have the exact same dream, and you get that deja vu. Have I had that dream before? And when you've had it 20, 30 times, you know you've had it before. It's, it's kind of like your mind had a box set from Netflix on repeat in your head. Absolutely. Before Netflix had even been thought of. Yeah, really? <laughs> so, I mean, but this as well, I mean, from the bits I've read, you've got the potential of this turning into uh, sort of a serialised uh, production as well, haven't you? This could, well, could fit the screen. Yeah, I mean, in in the dream world, outside my dream yeah, world, yeah. then yeah, that would be a, an amazing achievement if it was to ever be picked up. But the difficulty I've come across, and, and I'm thinking everybody who's does a bit of writing is you know there's, there's thousands of people out there that have got great stories mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily all know exactly how to go about it as I didn't I hadn't got a clue I was writing a book and thinking well if I write it well enough and give it to enough people it'll become popular mm-hmm. and that's not really how it works no but the vanity publishing that you did there has actually helped you get to the point where you are now though hasn't it absolutely yeah I mean that you, you use that term vanity publishing and I'd never heard that term before and I, I genuinely thought that you wrote a book sent it to lots of different publishers, and one of them might be interested if you were lucky. Mm-hmm. But what I soon found out is that you can't even send it to publishers. Mm-hmm. The way the the way this is nowadays, if you send a book to a publisher, it will go straight in the bin. They've even told me that personally. said, please don't send it because we will put it in the bin. Even if it's the best thing that we've ever seen, it will go straight in the bin. And the way that works is that you have to have an agent yeah. or you have to go down the route of self-publication. Mm-hmm. In between... Proper publication through an agent and self-publication. You have this thing called vanity publication, which I'd never heard of. But apparently there's companies out there that will help you do whatever you want to do at a cost. Yeah. And obviously that cost is quite excessive. But if you're vain enough that you really want your project off the mm-hmm. ground, that you then you can go to them and they'll charge you the earth. Yeah, it will be published through Amazon. And, and but it's, now that can be a trigger, though, to other things happening with it. So, you know, it, it is actually all the means to an end. It's just you're acting as your own agent and putting the money up front to, to, to actually get that book out there. So a- Absolutely. But what I tried to do is uh, I didn't like the title of Vanity Publishing. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm not particularly vain. I'm not doing this for vanity. So how can I do it another way? Mm -hmm. and indirectly it was sort of even more vain is that I ended up finding companies that could do individual jobs for me Mm -hmm. rather than going to a vanity publisher who does everything and takes the commission for your work uh, I found a company that can do editing and I found a company that could do the cover design. Yeah. So I've paid them individually. So yes, it's vanity because I'm going to get the product in the end. Mm-hmm. But I've had, I think I've had a lot more professional work done. And when the book comes out, it will look uh, the proper business. Mm-hmm. And you have an ISBN number. I've got lots of ISBN well, you numbers. You have to buy them in batches of 10, don't yeah, you? That's so, right, yeah, that's right, yeah. So I that mean, means you've got to do a series. You, yes. You've got to at least do the first, the first third of those numbers. Yeah, well, this is, again, because I'm 
sort of getting a bit old now and uh, obviously e-publication is something that I've no knowledge of whatsoever but again I've took advice and you get these things called ISBN numbers which basically catalogue your work mm -hmm. but you have a different ISBN number for each format that you're producing yeah so I'm going to be producing in uh, paperback hardback e-reader Apple, whatever they're called, yeah. iPads, yeah. Kindles. So you'll have to have a different number for each one. Mm -hmm. And the company that I'm using, which if I'm allowed to mention them, I'd love to yeah. pr promote them because they're a fantastic company. A company called Spiffing Covers, which mm -hmm. is an amazing title in, in the first place. Mm -hmm. Predominantly, they've done the cover, but they've also helped me with the uh, the editing and the production of these ISBN numbers. So there's, there's lots gone into it at this point, though. What can you give us without too many spoilers, then, to, to, to set the scene for the first novel? Yeah. Um, basically, the character, uh, a gentleman called Brody Martins, and his life is a little bit similar to mine in the respect that he lives uh, doing lots of vicarious quoting of films and, mm -hmm. and such like. He's a very happy-go-lucky sort of guy. Nothing's very important to him. He settles his life down by getting a job uh, which is more prevalent to his uh, qualifications rather than his desires. He ends up being uh, a development uh, manager for a, a transportation device. Mm -hmm. So obviously straight away we're looking that this is set slightly in the future. Yeah. At this point in time, uh, transportation a la beaming Star Trek style yeah. is commonplace. Mm -hmm. So we're looking that he's trying to develop on from that. And he's, he's come up with this uh, theory that allows him to basically bend space and transport people billions of miles rather than hundreds or thousands, but instantaneously. So if there was such a place, you could go to it and you could go there immediately. So mm -hmm. people can then travel to wherever they like in the galaxy, holiday-wise, and, and just be there rather than spending their whole life trying to get there in a rocket. So the rest of the story will let pan out from there. It runs over a trilogy. What's the title we're looking for and how do we get hold of a copy once it is out there? The title we would be looking for is Breaking the Tranquility of Solitude. <laughs> okay, I like that uh, already. It's, uh, I'm, I've done a lot of research and there is no other books called that, <laughs> and hopefully there won't be before November the 17th. Yeah. It originally came from a lyric from one of my favourite songs of all time, which is That's Entertainment by The Jam. Yeah. And it's just an incredible lyric. It comes towards the end of the song, and uh, I've never heard a lyric like it. But it just—it uh, doesn't actually say "breaking the tranquility of solitude." If I remember rightly, it says two lovers remembering the tranquility of solitude." So you've but, you've kind of put your own twist on it, and uh, and and this is you know the start, and it gives a flavour for what do you can. Yeah, expect. I mean, towards the end of book three, the the line may come out. I haven't even written it yet, where the guy will explain that all his life is trying to break that tranquility of solitude. Um, part of the story without giving too much away is a mistake that he makes in his transportation which sends him off onto various different weird and wonderful adventures mm -hmm. uh, bringing in then all these dreams because the dreams are the adventures which I've had yeah. and then it's the adventures that he has uh, and, and eventually ends up breaking his tranquility of solitude. So we're looking for Eddie Johnson in uh, all of the, the, the outputs, uh, whether yeah. it's Amazon, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the Kindle store, that sort of thing, and uh, also in, in actual bookshops too. That, that'll, but we'll talk, uh, hopefully, once uh, the release date's there, we'll get you on the phone, just have a quick chat about uh, yeah, which stores to go to to pick up a copy. Uh, but uh, anything else we need to know, social media and, and websites? Uh, not actually produced yet, but uh, what I've done in the sort of vanity side of things again is to create my own publishing company. Yeah. So I've created EDJ Publishing, 
Uh, if you say it right, it says Edge. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, me being Eddie Johnson, that's mm. where the EDJ yeah. comes from. So, yeah, Edge Publishing, uh, which will have, I believe, a website address of edjpublishing.co.uk, mm-hmm. but it's not fully finished yet, but it will be by the 17th. This is all so. coming up. So, 17th of November is when we need to look out for this. Yeah. edjpublishing.co.uk. And Eddie Johnson, with uh, your first of a trilogy of books on the way, the second one oh, due uh, early part of next year, and then middle of the year for the uh, for the third part? Yeah, I've gone for February because I'm not quite finished finish writing book two mm-hmm. uh, filling it out and finishing off the details and then book three is only about half written but that's going to come out and it's an interesting point that it will come out on the 6th of the 6th at 6 o'clock there so if go. that gives you any little clues <laughs> but without spoiling anything uh, if it had a genre I would have to say that it would be a sci-fi horror love story Oh. Which is uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it just sounds like good fun, doesn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. well, Eddie, thanks for coming in. Thanks for telling us about it, and uh, have a great time and good luck with the trilogy. Thanks very much for having me in. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Back with episode five hundred and forty-two next week. I'll see you then. To off for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the mailbox, yeah.